Welcome to MH Business Exchange, the podcast of McDonald Hopkins. I'm your host, Mike Witzke, and with me today are Richard Kessler, a member of our litigation team and based in our Chicago office, and Tim Lowe, also on our litigation team and based in our Detroit office. Welcome, Rick and Tim. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Well, today we're talking about non-compete agreements. Can Rick, you tell me why these agreements are so important? Well, the importance of non-competes is to really protect your human capital from leaving with um, the knowledge and information typically with your customer base uh, and customer needs and going out and unfairly competing, which uh, has a, an immediate uh, and oftentimes disastrous financial impact on your business. So it's important to give consideration as to um, how to protect your investment in your human capital. And I, I think most people have heard the, team, uh, the term non-compete agreement, um, but Tim, can you tell me exactly what's meant by a, a non-compete agreement? Sure, Mike. And you know, in my experience, I've found that a lot of people don't really understand that and they may think that the term non-compete refers to any number of uh, restrictions, post-employment restrictions that they may be subject to. Uh, a non-compete itself, uh, the legal term, means a restriction where an employee is not allowed to compete with their former employer for a duration of time in a particular geography. There's also different types of restrictions like non-solicitation restrictions where an employee may not be able to uh, solicit clients of their former employer or employees for a particular uh, period of time, and also uh, general confidentiality restrictions. And oftentimes people think that, that the term non-compete refers to any or all of those, but it's very important that employers and employees know uh, specifically what they're talking about because that term can mean many different things to many different people. And so, so different non-compete agreements could have different provisions, you know, one or, or all three of those different restrictions could be included depending on how the non-compete is drafted? That's exactly right. Uh, depending on, on how the employer has decided to draft the non-compete, it may only include a confidentiality restriction. Uh, it may include all three, like you said. Uh, it really depends on what the employer uh, wants to do in order to protect itself. So, Rick, sh should every company have non-compete agreements that they have their employees sign? Well, not every company is suitable for a uh, non-compete agreement in terms of its enforceability. Uh, and again, we're talking about a post-employment restriction on the ability to unfairly compete, which is, is important uh, following up on Tim's uh, addressing the different types of various post-employment restrictions such as non-solicitation or confidentiality of information. Typically, the courts will look a little bit differently on a non-solicitation and confidentiality provision in terms of the scrutiny it gives as compared to a post-employment restriction on the ability to compete. But going back to the initial question, there must be a legitimate business interest and need of protection, according to the courts, before a company can uh, put pen to paper and actually have a, uh, an enforceable agreement not to compete. So typical, very highly competitive sales companies that uh, deal in commodities, pencils, pens, papers, typically will not be able to um, create a sufficient basis for a, uh, 
an enforceable post-employment restriction on the ability to compete. Uh, but if you have specific characteristics of a customer base that are not widely known to the general public, uh, that's always a good barometer as to whether a company should have a post-employment covenant restricting someone's ability to um, compete once they leave. And so, you know, Tim, I think you mentioned that there there has to be certain, I, I guess, reasonable restraints as to geographic or temporal scope of these agreements. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, what makes an agreement reasonable as to, you know, its range and its length? Sure, Mike. And it really depends on the circumstances. Uh, and in particular, the circumstances of the employee. A lot of times what I see is that courts uh, will not want to enforce a restriction against an employee that goes outside, if we're talking geography, goes outside the geographic area where they work. So, for instance, a, sales, a salesperson who may work in the metro Detroit area uh, where I live, uh, a court may enforce a, a non-compete or non-solicitation restriction against that employee that restrains them from competing in metro Detroit or soliciting clients in metro Detroit. But if an employer had a non-compete that said they were not allowed to compete at all in the entire state of Michigan, where the employee never worked outside of Metro Detroit, then the court would likely not enforce that portion of the restriction and do what we call blue penciling, which is uh, in, in many states, courts are permitted to uh, narrow the restriction to make it more reasonable in the court's view. And as to time, generally, again, that has a lot to do with the circumstances of the case. Some states now are enacting laws that prohibit restrictive covenants like this, non-competes, non-solicits, that extend beyond 18 months. Typically, a, a good rule is that anywhere from one year to two years will be um, enforceable, absent a law to the contrary. And if you get much beyond two years, then uh, that's when you really run into the danger zone. Are there any states that prohibit non-compete agreements? There are. California, in particular, completely prohibits non-compete agreements. There, you're only allowed to have a, a confidentiality agreement or a protection against the disclosure of trade secrets. Oklahoma, North Dakota, Montana, those are some other states that have prohibited non-compete agreements. Other states, even though they're not completely prohibited, they're starting to really curtail them. Massachusetts is one state in particular that recently enacted a law prohibiting non-competes uh, for low wage earners although that statute doesn't apply to non-solicitation agreements, so you can still have a non-solicitation agreement for a low-wage-earning employee. Uh, and other states are starting to, uh, to follow that course. On the East Coast, Massachusetts, uh, I said, and now Rhode Island has also passed a law. On the West Coast, uh, Washington and Oregon have both passed laws like that. So it's very important to know what your state's law is in the particular states that you operate and where a company has employees. In addition, um, there are several states that don't allow blue penciling. In other words, they don't allow a court to go in and revise what would be otherwise an unenforceable post-employment covenant to try and make it more tailored or narrow to be enforceable, such as Wisconsin. And Rick, what should an employer do if they're not sure whether or not a non-compete would be right for their business? Well, they should reach out to us at McDonald Hopkins. We've litigated um, non-competes in uh, more than 38 states and have a vast knowledge and experience relative to uh, both the drafting, the analysis, and the likelihood of success on an existing non-compete or helping a company evaluate 
whether it makes sense to put a non-compete into their existing uh, agreements and or uh, new hires. And we can help employers in all the states where we have a presence. Uh, is that correct? That's correct. And even outside of where we have a presence in the context of our home offices, because our clients are uh, national and oftentimes international, and uh, our knowledge base extends beyond uh, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, and Florida, where our offices are located. Well, Rick or Tim, anything else that you think uh, an employer or, or anyone who's listening might need to know about non-compete agreements? It is just a fast-moving area of the law, and so if an employer has not updated their non-compete agreements or looked at the law in their particular location recently, they should do so because the laws are changing very quickly. And just to add to that, Mike, uh, this is not an area where you want to go to the Internet and print off a form from some website and say, gee, now I've got a non-compete because it could have drastic, drastic financial impacts on, um, on your business. Well, Rick and, and Tim, I, I want to thank you for being here today and sharing this information on non-compete agreements and their use and applicability. Uh, I also want to thank our listeners uh, and direct them to mcdonaldhopkins.com, our website, if they need more information on this or, or other topics. And again, thank you both, and uh, everybody have a great day.